We're going to move into our series. We've got part six today. Next week, we finish up with part seven. We've been studying through the Lord's Prayer, this massively famous, massively significant portion of Scripture where Jesus' disciples come to him and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus breaks down for them what prayer is by modeling prayer. He doesn't say, okay, here's the five things I want you to do. He just says, hey, this is how you should do it. This is what your prayer should look like. This is what it should sound like. Here are the components of the way we should talk to God. So we've been going through every week uh, and, and learning. I've learned so much as we've leaned through this. I know we've gotten a lot of feedback that a lot of us have, have taken steps forward in our prayer life as we've done this. Um, what I want to do is continue with what we've done the past few weeks. We're going to stand and read the Lord's Prayer first as we kick things off, and then we're going to dive into today's section. So go ahead and stand with me. Go ahead and put that on the screen for us. We're going to start with our Father. Read this out, and then we're going to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father God, I thank you so much for everything that you've sown into our hearts these past few weeks as we've worked through this prayer. God, I ask that this progress we've made in our prayer lives, these challenges that we've taken and accepted and applied to our lives, God, that we would not be left behind as we move from one week to the next. God, but that we just begin to, to stack these things on top of each other as we learn to talk to you, as we learn to communicate with you. God, I pray that we would be people of prayer, that we'd be people with an intimacy with you, our Father, because you've invited us into your midst, and you sent your son Jesus to teach us how to talk to you, how to know you, how to commune with you. We thank you for all that you're going to do today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said and then you can have a seat. So today, uh, we finish up the second half of verse 12. Verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So there's the vertical component that we looked at last week, that we've got to ask God for forgiveness, that we've got to seek his, his forgiveness. Even as Christians, even after we've received that initial forgiveness, there's still this habit, this daily mode, of, of making things right, of, of fixing those little things that get off and making sure that fellowship stays constant with God. But then there's the second half. He says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And, and so what we want to do today is, is look at this intimate uh, tie between the two, but we want to focus in on the second half of the verse primarily and, and see the implications of this statement that we also have forgiven our debtors. The, the first one is this, is that all true forgiveness flows from God's forgiveness. All true forgiveness flows from God's forgiveness. I can't teach you today how to forgive if you don't first receive God's forgiveness. Jesus puts this order here for a reason. He says, first we go to God and we get his forgiveness, and then we forgive others. You see, apart from Christ's grace, Apart from Christ's mercy, apart from his Holy Spirit in us, we're, we're powerless to really forgive people. That's not something we can do, right? Like our human nature is when you've wronged me, I'm going to hold it against you as long as I possibly can, right? That, that, that every one of us in this room has been hurt. Every one of us in this room has been wronged. Some of us in this room, chances are, 
have been hurt very, very significantly. Like there's probably people in this room who have been abused physically. Probably some people in this room who have been abused sexually, if you look at it numerically. There's probably some people in this room who have been raped. There's people in this room who have been significantly wronged. Then there's others of us in this room that have been maybe not on that scale, but we've been hurt deeply emotionally, right? We've been lied to. We, we've been cheated on. We've been gossiped about. We, we've had something done to us that left a mark, right? Like, like I think God created our physical body to be a reflection of, of things that are inside. And so when, when we get hurt, when we get injured, there's a mark. There's a scar physically. And a lot of us are walking around today with some emotional scars. Some of us today are walking around with some emotional hurts that haven't even healed up yet. Man, we got some gaping wounds. And so we start talking about forgiveness. The challenge here is, is, is I can't just give you a to-do list of forgiveness for you to go out and do this in your own strength. You will fail. You, you will absolutely bomb. You don't have the power within you to forgive people outside of the power of Christ. You just don't. And so Jesus, in his prayer, he doesn't start with, God, we've forgiven our debtors, so forgive us. He starts with, thank you for giving me forgiveness, right? He, he starts with, forgive us our debts. And now as we have been forgiven, now we can flow, we can pass that on to others. You're not going to get this if you can't receive God's forgiveness first. Now here's the challenge for some of us. Some of us are really bad at receiving God's forgiveness, right? Some of us are really good at keeping track of our own failures, <laughs> Some of us are really good at remembering all the ways that we've blown it. And we walk in shame, we walk in condemnation, we walk around holding on to all that stuff from the past that God's forgiven us of, but we haven't allowed ourselves to release it off of ourselves. And if you can't let that stuff from your past go, if you can't release your anger at your past self, if you can't release your shame from your past self, if you can't release your guilt from your past self, you're never going to be able to pass forgiveness on to anybody else either. So you've got to start with receiving God's forgiveness. That's where all this starts. So if you weren't here last week, go back and listen to last week's podcast. Find it on our website. Find the Facebook live stream. Like Go back and, and check out last week because it starts with receiving that forgiveness with God. Nothing else matters until we get that done. Once we can get that part accomplished, then now we got some work to do. Right now, now, we've got some responsibility in this. We are now expected to be people of forgiveness. I, I think it's really interesting the way Jesus words this. He says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, Jesus assumes that Christians are people of forgiveness. It's just an assumption that, hey, you've been forgiven much, so you're going to forgive. Right? He, he doesn't say God, forgive us our debts and help me forgive those who have trespassed against me. Which is probably how I would have worded it if I was Jesus, but I'm not Jesus. Right? Jesus says, man, if you're going to be a person of the cross, if you're going to be somebody who wears my name, if you're going to take on my divine nature and my spirit is going to live in you, then you're going to have to be somebody of forgiveness. You're going to have to be somebody who walks this out. What brings us to, to point number two is this. Implication number two is that the forgiven forgive. We receive his forgiveness, and then we pass it on. 
right? This is just the, the process that Jesus has enacted. He, he just assumes we are going to walk in forgiveness. The forgiven, then forgive. And, and our flesh pushes back against this because we've got all the reasons why we can't forgive, right? Well, if you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know how many thousands of dollars I had to spend on counseling, right? Like, like we got the whole list of all the stuff. You don't know how many marriages I burned through because I couldn't get past that first thing, right? You don't know how much this has affected me. You don't know how much it hurts. We've got this whole list of reasons why we can't forgive, and Jesus just assumes we're just going to do it. He just says, man, this is just part of what it takes to be a believer. Jesus basically says that forgiveness is the only appropriate response to an offense for a believer. He doesn't give us a list like we can forgive or we can forget or we can ignore or we can, you know, bottle it up and suppress it. Like he doesn't give us these other options. He gives us one option. You're going to be my person. You're going to follow me. You're going to be my disciple. Then you're going to forgive. This is uncomfortable. This is hard. This is challenging, especially for those of us who have been wounded in significant ways. Now, now, now let me make sure that I establish something early on here. God does not call us to forgive to diminish the pain of what's been done, right? That forgiveness is not the act of acting, oh, it's not a big deal. That's not forgiving somebody. Forgiveness is recognizing, oh, it is a big deal. And it hurt me deeply and significantly. But because I serve a God of grace, because I serve a God of mercy, because I serve a God who had this incredible debt that he could have held against me that he released me from, freely he's given to me and freely I will give to you. Right? It's not acting like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. or No, that didn't hurt. It's not acting like somehow this thing this person did wasn't wrong, wasn't unjust. So so we're not diminishing the action. We're recognizing that even with the significance of the offense, the God I serve is more significant. The grace he gives is more significant. So, so, So we're not acting like, man, that abuser, oh, that's no big deal. Right? We're not acting like, oh, that, that person who, who trashed my reputation unjustly and gossiped about me. Well, oh, that didn't really hurt. Right? We're not going to pretend this stuff doesn't hurt. Man, it hurts. Right? Life hurts. People hurt. Right? We, we all of us have a, a wide variety and collection of hurts. And so Christianity, being people of Jesus, being people of the cross, is not pretending stuff doesn't hurt. It's feeling the pain and saying, you know what, God, even though this hurt me deeply, your love is greater. Your healing is greater. Your restoration is greater. And your power within me is greater than the hurt that I feel. So also forgiveness is is both a decision and a process. Forgiveness is not necessarily something that, hey, I preached this one message today, and, well, you need to get over it. Yeah, the fact that your dad abused you for 30 years, well, just we're going to pray one time, and everything's going to be okay. Right? Like, that's, that's not real life either. Forgiveness is a decision, but it's also a process. Forgiving somebody today might mean you also got to forgive them tomorrow. Right? Because that pain comes back. Because sometimes there's layers there. 
and, and you didn't get to that place of hurt in one moment, you're not necessarily going to get out of that place of hurt in one moment. But forgiveness is engaging the process. It's choosing to say, you know what, I, I, I desire to be at a place where I hold no more pain, no more grudge, no more resentment, and no more bitterness. And so I'm going to walk out the process, however long that is. Now, some of us are wired differently. Some of us can, can get through that process more quickly. I know some people who have had just awful, heinous, disgusting things done to them, and they just have this incredible grace and this incredible ability to, to, to release that quickly. And I know other people who aren't wired that way, that, that they really have to walk through a process to get there. I don't think God is, like, favoring different personality types, right? But, but I also know that just because my personality may not be prone to something that God calls me to, I can't use that as an excuse not to pursue his best. Does that make sense? Like, like some of us, it comes really easy to pray. Some of us, it doesn't come natural. We're all called to be people of prayer, right? Some of us, it comes really easy to worship. Man, I'm just naturally a worshiper, and I enter in very easily. Some of us, it doesn't. God's called all of us to be worshipers. Some of us forgive more easily than others, but he's called all of us to be forgivers. Because the forgiven forgive. Jesus even illustrates it this way very famously in Matthew 18. In the context of offense, in the context of what do I do when somebody hurts me, Jesus gives this parable. It says, then Peter came to him and asked, verse 21, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Peter's feeling pretty good, man. I forgave that person seven times. Like, I got a pretty high tolerance for forgiveness, right? And, and Jesus answers, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. The other translation says 70 times 7, right? So whether it's 77 or it's 490, the, the point is not to keep a list, okay? For 23 times, you got 47 more, right? Like this math doesn't add up. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like we're not, we're not counting down. Well, that's number 74. Better get it together. You got three more. That's not what Jesus is teaching. What he's saying is as many times as it takes. Why? Because praise God, we serve a God who forgives as many times as it takes. Over and over and over and over again, he's forgiven me. And that's the model. And so he says, just keep on forgiving. Don't try to keep a record. Don't try to keep track. Just keep forgiving. Verse 23, he starts this parable, this earthly story with a heavenly spiritual meaning. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So, so Jesus says there's this king and there's this man in this kingdom that owes him this ridiculous sum of money. In the original language, what Jesus basically says is this guy owed the king $11 billion, right? Like it's a number like so big, you can't fathom it. You can't wrap your brain around it. It's just so far out there. He just throws out a, this word and it's like, okay, I can't even, that's just wait. Nobody ever could owe that much money, right? It's a debt that's unfathomable to owe. There's no way anybody could ever borrow that much. There's no way anybody could ever owe this much. And so the king decides, hey, it's time to pay up. The guy says, hey, I can't pay, obviously. So what does the king do? So he, sells, he says, we're going to sell you, you kids, and all of your stuff 
to repay the debt. Verse 26, at this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Lie. Right? You ever told, you ever told him, man, I will make this right? It's like, no, you won't. Right? Like, the, he can't pay back everything. There's no way he's ever going to get there. But the servant's master, verse 27, took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now we know this, but just in case there's somebody who hasn't connected the dots, that's us. The king is Jesus, and this guy with the debt that couldn't be repaid, that's me. That's my sin. That, that's my wretchedness. That's the debt that would never be repaid, right? And so this is the picture of salvation, that we've got this incredible debt we'd never repay. <coughs> Excuse me. But we serve a God who wiped it all away, who canceled the debt. This is last week's message. Right? This is the forgiveness that we've received. Now let's get to this week. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. This dude owed him a couple hundred bucks. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. The guy says the same thing to him that he had said to the king. But he refused, verse 30. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then Jesus says this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Like we read this story and it's, it's so unjust. It's so unfathomably unjust for this guy to hold a couple hundred bucks against somebody, have him thrown in prison, separated from his family for such an insignificant debt when he had just himself received such a massively significant amount of forgiveness, right? The, the, the natural response just in the flesh to read this story is this person who's been forgiven so much should have then immediately gone out and called everybody who owed him anything and said, you're good. Right? He should have paid it forward. He should have passed it on and said, look, I know you don't owe me nearly as much, but, but I don't, you don't owe me anything. I've received forgiveness that you'll never be able to imagine, and I want to now release you from anything you've owed me. But this guy doesn't do that. And then, of course, we realize that this schmuck is us. Right? We realize that this is, this is me. That's where I am in this story. I'm the person who's been forgiven so much that I could never repay, and yet somebody says something about me. Somebody doesn't follow through with their commitment to me. Somebody doesn't keep a promise. I don't forgive. I hold it against them. I get build up this grudge, this resentment, this bitterness, right? And I, and I build that up. God says, what are you even thinking? How could you even possibly Treat other people that way when I've treated you like I have. 
You see, unforgiveness usually flows from a lack of recognition of how much we've truly been forgiven. Like, like if we understand what we've been released from, if we understand what we've been forgiven of, then, then we're going to pursue unforgiveness. I'm not saying it's going to become natural. I'm not saying it's going to become easy. But I am saying that, that, that when we walk in unforgiveness, usually it's, it's, maybe, it's either a lack of understanding of what we've been forgiven of or it's simply just a forgetfulness. Right? Because in this moment, I'm focused on this offense. I'm focused on what this person has done to me, and I've forgotten how much I've been forgiven of. The forgiven forgive. It's what we do. Forgiveness is the only appropriate response to offense for a believer. Now, let me give one more clarification before we get to our last implication today. There is a difference between forgiveness and restoration of trust. God requires me to forgive. Forgiveness means I'm releasing what you owe me for what you've done. There's not, he's not requiring me to automatically restore trust and go out and get hurt again. He, he's, he's not, he, wouldn't, he didn't tell this story that, that this guy went out and released this guy from the 200 bucks that he owed him, and then the guy came back and borrowed more money that he never could pay back the first time and said, okay, now I want you to give him more. He, he's not saying... Go put yourself in the position, right? He's not saying move back in with the guy that abused you. Does that make sense? He, he's not saying go back to the situation where you were hurt. He's not saying that person who cheated on you, you have to automatically restore trust in them. They may need to prove themselves, right? They, they, God is not requiring us to just be punching bags, to be trampled on and hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt all over again. The mistake we make is the majority of the time we are too slow to forgive and too quick to restore trust. When the reality is we need to be fast to forgive and sometimes we need to be slow to restore trust. Do you see the difference here? Trust is earned, forgiveness is given. So you don't have to just automatically trust somebody. God forbid somebody steals a large sum of money from our church at some point in our church history. We don't have to just automatically, well, we're Christians, so you know what? Why don't you go count the offering this week? Right? That'd be, that'd be foolish. That'd be ignorant for us to do that. We don't just automatically restore trust when somebody has wronged us, but we do forgive. Forgiveness is releasing the debt. See, see God doesn't actually call us to forgive and forget. You know, that's, a, that's this cliche. Oh, we just got to forgive and forget. You know, that's a lie. You can't forget. You remember what's been done to you. You know what's happened to you. He's not calling you to forgive and forget. He's calling you to fully forgive. Fully forgive. And then if you have to tweak things in the relationship, if you have to adjust where things go from here forward, that's not bitterness and walking in unforgiveness necessarily if you've released what they've owed. That's the difference. Years ago, I have a younger brother who made a number of mistakes uh, against me, things that affected me, especially financially, but in some other ways as well. Uh, Nick, if you're watching, I love you, bro. Uh, so, so years ago, Nick lived with me, uh, and we'd gone through, through a number of things. In fact, the first time he lived with me, he had even totaled one of my cars. Well, not one of my cars. My only car at that point in time. Uh, rest in peace, A-Timer. Those of you who remember. Uh, it was missing an L on the back. from the, So we called it the A-Timer. It was, yeah, it's my youth pastor ride. Uh, so, so Nick had totaled one of my cars. And, and then 
moved out like the next day. Uh, and, and then in my love for him, I, I let my brother move back in another, I don't know, year and a half later or whatever. So long story short, he did something much less significant, but it just like threw me into a rage. Like you ever had somebody do something small and you lost your mind over it and you really don't even know why that made you so mad? So, so I come home, and he had done this thing, and I just lost it. It was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back, right? Like this was the one where I went off. And he wasn't home, and so I called him on his cell, which was my cell. Uh, and, I was, <laughs> and I started going off on him. And, and what I did, and I caught myself halfway through the conversation, I started listing all the stuff that he had owed me that I had told him I had forgiven him of but I hadn't really forgiven, right? Like I started going through all this stuff from years back and you did this and you did this and you did this and you did this and you did this. And halfway through the conversation, I stopped and I realized I was the unmerciful servant. I was holding insignificant and some fairly significant things against someone when I had been released of something so incredibly significant. Now, I don't think that that meant that I had to say, okay, man, you can live here forever, right? That that doesn't mean, hey, here's the keys to my car. Try not to total this one, right? Like things, things that I've learned, you can learn from things. And trust has to be restored slowly. But I had not forgiven him. I had restored trust without giving forgiveness. And that's the worst possible combination. And that's where a lot of times we end up. And, and so I can, I get this. I know how hard it can be. And I think most of us can probably identify with the place where, where we started the list. You know what 1 Corinthians 13 says about love? It says that love keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, why is that so important to me? Because my God keeps no record of wrongs. And so if you got the vault, if you got the list that's kind of stored away for the next time that person says something to you, the next time you and your spouse get into it, it's like, right? Like I can dump all this out. It's a pretty good indicator that you're not walking in forgiveness. That's not the thing that we are called to. We are called to release, 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 release. We're called to keep short accounts. The third thing, just to spell it out here, is this. Forgiveness is releasing that which is owed. That's what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means to, to let it go. That I'm not going to hold this thing against you. Now, what, what, what kind of things do we hold against somebody? Well, sometimes we might hold, hey, they owe us because they destroyed this thing. So it might be a financial expectation. Sometimes, I think much more frequently, it might just be this. Well, they owe me an apology, right? This prayer, well, they, have, they haven't repented yet. They haven't told me they're sorry, so how can I forgive them? See, forgiveness is simply releasing any expectation, any hold on what that thing means they owe you. It doesn't, an explanation, I take my hands off of. An apology, I take my hands off. See, forgiveness is releasing the debt. It's not mine anymore. But what we do is we want to hold on to this thing that they owe me. They owe me an apology. They need to tell me how wrong this was. You know what? Sometimes people go through life 70 years 
with somebody that they think owes them an apology and they never hear that. And you know what all that did? All that bitterness, all that unforgiveness, all that did was hurt the person who's holding on to the expectation of the apology. It didn't hurt the other person. The other person's fine, right? Like we've heard this said many times, but it bears repeating like unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Like it just it just doesn't work. Holding on to that stuff doesn't hurt you. It hurts me. It didn't hurt Nick that I had a list of all the stuff that he owed me. It hurt me that I had a list of all the stuff that he owed me. And so Jesus teaches us. He models for us. He's like, look, I release everything. I take my hands off of all of it. I keep no record of your wrongs. And I want you to do the same. I want you to walk in this just like I do. I know this isn't the most uh, passion message, right? Like this isn't the most, yes, let's go out of here and I'm going to go be a person of forgiveness. Hallelujah. We're taking over the city because we're going to forgive everybody, right? Like this is one that gets to, to our soul. It gets to the core of who we are because we've been hurt, because we've been wrong, because every one of us in this room has been significantly messed up by something somebody else did. And to just release them from that, that just doesn't seem right. doesn't seem fair, right? Like, we're, we're Americans. One of our greatest values as Americans is fairness. We want everything to be fair. And I hate to break it to you, but Christianity is so not fair. I'm glad, I'm grateful, I am thrilled that I do not serve a fair God because if I served a fair God, my life would be a whole lot worse because he gives me that which I do not deserve. That's grace. That's what grace is, is he just keeps on giving me more than I deserve. Mercy, he just keeps on releasing me from stuff that I, should owe, that I owe against him. So we got to release even sometimes our sense of fairness. Sometimes our sense of justice, right? Well, this thing isn't right. We're not saying it is right. We're saying Jesus already paid the price for it. We're not saying there's not a significant price for this sin, for this harm, for this hurt, for this thing that this person did. We're saying there's a massively significant price for it, so significant that Jesus Christ had to go to the cross. And that's where the price was paid for the wrong that came against you and that came against me. And I should say one other thing before we wrap this up. Every one of us in this room has been significantly hurt by somebody. Everybody in this room has probably significantly hurt somebody. Right? Like we've said, we've told the lie. We've spread the gossip. We, 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 we've been abusive in some way or another emotionally or, or perhaps even physically. Right? Like we've been the ones who have done some awful things. Maybe not as awful as what's been done to us. We like to measure and compare. But we've all been guilty of harming other people, hurting other people, messing up other people's lives. You see, we're all scarred. We're all broken. We're all imperfect and, and messed up in so many ways. So Jesus says, I take you with your, your imperfections. I take you in your brokenness. I receive you with all of your stuff but I won't take you in unforgiveness. This is one thing. Multiple times in the New Testament, he says stuff like he did in verse 35 in Matthew 21. 
or Matthew 18, he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Jesus has a high standard for us when it comes to forgiveness. I serve a God who's so graceful and so merciful and, and overlooks so much. But he says, this is one thing I can't have in my family. Because the way that you get in my family is by receiving forgiveness. This is who we are. You want to wear my name? You want to be called Christian? Then you better learn to forgive. Because this is what we do. This is what Christ does. This is what this means is we forgive we forgive, we forgive, we forgive. So this week's challenge, church, very simple. Walk in forgiveness. Incorporate it into your prayer life. Man, if you've got some deep hurts, you might have to just start looking into your heart. Man, you may, you may be holding something against that guy from college or, or that girl from high school or, or, or that guy that you served in the military with or that thing that your parent did when you were seven years old. Or the dad who walked out on you when you were two. And I'm not saying those things don't hurt. And I'm not saying they didn't do very, very wrong. What I am saying is Jesus has called us to forgive. So this week we forgive. This week we examine our heart. We look. What unforgiveness is in me? See, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, did you forgive Nick for all that other stuff? I would have told you yes. I didn't even realize that I was holding on to unforgiveness until some more salt got poured on the wound. Right? And then all of a sudden, the wound flared up. It's like, oh, yeah, that thing hasn't healed up. And so my challenge this week is for you to examine yourself. Open your heart up before the Lord. God, is there anything in me? That's a dangerous question, isn't it? It's a question we get scared to ask because what if there is? Or maybe deep down inside we know there is, and I don't really want God to bring it up. Just ask God the question, God, do I have any unforgiveness? And if so, who? And whatever names come up, and it might be a long list, it might be one person, or somewhere in between, I want you to start pursuing forgiveness this week. It might be somebody who's dead. I'm not saying you got to call every one of these people up and be like, I forgive you. That can be almost like passive aggressive, right? Like, hey, I just want you to know I forgive you. What? For what? What are you even talking about, right? Like, I'm not saying you have to have a conversation with all these people. What, what I'm saying is that you, you've got to release them. Right? Between you and God, deal with this thing. Now, if God says, hey, I want you to have a conversation, then obviously God wins. Right? Like, follow what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. There may be some where we do have to have, because they may know that you're, you're bitter. They may know that you've got unforgiveness there, and it may need to be dealt with. Um, but, but if you do forgive them, don't be like, I forgive you, but, or, you know, like, like just forgive them. Just release them. Just let it go, and let God work on them. God's the one who can work on their heart. My job is not to work on somebody else's heart. My job is to work on mine. That's the heart I'm responsible for. So I'm going to trust God to work on this other person's heart to help them get to the place where they're right. But I'm going to work on mine. So this week, ask God, what unforgiveness do I have? And start pursuing it. It's a decision, and it's a process. Let's start the process. Man, engage it this week. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much that you're a God of massively incredible grace. God, you're a God who forgives us again and 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 so many times. And God, we are so grateful for that forgiveness. We honor that. And God, we ask you today to make us like Jesus. God, help us to be like you. Help us to be people of forgiveness. Lord, the forgiven are called to forgive. 
So help us to walk that out. Lord, whatever unforgiveness we have in our hearts, help it to surface. Help us to be aware of it, to be cognizant of it. God, we can't work on that which we don't even realize is there. So Holy Spirit, we give you authority to begin speaking to our heart. We invite you to begin expecting the the deep, dark regions of our heart and to reveal to us anything that's in there that looks like unforgiveness, anything that's in there that looks like bitterness, anything that's in there that looks like resentment. God, bring it all to the surface. Cause us to deal with it this week because we want to be like Jesus. God, because we've been forgiven so much, help us to forgive others even when they've hurt us deeply. Lord, I thank you for for helping us to do that. God, I pray for strength and wisdom, Lord, that that nobody would take this message and think that just because we're called to forgive, that means they need to go out and restore every level of trust. God, that this would not cause your people to be abused. This would not cause your people to be harmed or hurt. God, help them to, to, to hear the heart on this of simply releasing the debt and letting that go, God. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're gonna do. It's in Jesus' name.